All right, so we've been talking about developing habits for leading missional lives, and we're talking about how to go from living our own self-centered lives to living a purpose-driven life as part of God's mission in the world. When we're talking about living a missional life, it's not just about doing good things for God, although it does involve that, and it's not just about leading people to Jesus, although we do want that too. Living a missional life is about living a life of faith and obedience. It's about living a life of devotion to the Lord. It's about being completely His, about being passionate about what He's passionate about, about compassion, love, and justice. It's about being used by Him and trusting Him with our time and our resources and our efforts. So we've been going through the acronym BELLS uh, to describe the five habits of missional lives. So B for blessing others, eating with others, E, L, listening to the Holy Spirit. And last week, Bill talked about the second L, which is learning about Jesus. And I'm going to expand a little bit more on that today, learning about Jesus. So let's just take a minute and just pray, um, pray right here. Lord, we just want to thank you so much that we can come and worship you today. Thank you for your presence and your spirit here drawing us drawing us. And Lord, I ask that you would breathe life into these words, into this message, Lord. I pray that you would breathe it into life in our hearts and that you would prepare our hearts to be, um, to be ready to receive your words in Jesus' name. So there's a lot of ways to learn about Jesus. Yes, you can read the Bible. You can, there's movies you can watch about him. There's websites you can go and read about him. There's songs. There's games. There's apps you can use. I love the Bible app. Anybody using the Bible app? It's really cool. I like how there's a daily Bible reading plan on there. It's also devotionals. And there's so many ways that we can learn about Jesus. Well, the danger of learning about Jesus is that we think we've figured him out. We think that we know everything there is to know about him. We come to a point where there's not much that surprises us anymore about him. But learning about Jesus isn't just about being a fan. He doesn't want you to have all this information about him. And he doesn't want to be your church friend that when you see um, once a week just on Sunday mornings. Learning about Jesus is about experiencing him. And so that's what, we're, what I'm talking about today. Um, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the word was God. John is describing Jesus. He is before anything else existed in the whole universe. There was Jesus. He was with God, and he was God. This is a mystery that we refer to as the Trinity. How can God be one, but he's also Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? The Trinity tells us that at the center of the universe is a relationship, a loving relationship. And so Jesus is referred to as the Word. And you might have also heard of the Bible as descri described as the Word of God. So how can Jesus be both the Word and the Bible be the Word of God? So in, in John 1.1, the term translated Word is the Greek word logos, which basically means the expression of a thought. Logos can be thought of as the total message of God to man. And Jesus is embodying that total message. 
So we see an example of this in Acts 12.24. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, turn to Acts 12.24. It's a short verse here. But it says here, the word of God continued to spread and flourish. So if you're thinking of the word of God as the Bible, well, you know, it takes a while to read that. I mean, you know, you can't just read it in one sitting or one sermon or even a couple of sermons. I mean, you know, we can talk about the Bible for long, a long time. And those of you that read all the way through, I mean, it took me about like a year, you know, reading and um, processing it. So in this case, the word of God continued to spread and flourish. It's not talking about the Bible, the print. I mean, at the time, they didn't even have the printing press, so they couldn't have, you know, printed it. They're talking about Jesus and people's experience with Jesus, and that was what was spreading. So Jesus was the word of God. He is the complete message of salvation, and he is the complete message of God in creation, redemption, hope, and glory. Jesus is the Logos, the word of God. And it's also, the Logos is also uh, uh, used many times to refer to the written message of God, because, and Jesus actually shows us the link between the written word of God and himself, that he is the subject of the written word. So if you turn to John 5, 39. John 5, 39. It says, you study the scripture diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. What is the scripture that he's talking about? He's talking about the Old Testament. That's right. We don't just go to the New Testament to learn about Jesus. We also look at the Old Testament to learn about Jesus because the whole Bible is about Jesus. It is the word of God, and it is about the word of God. It is the word of God, and it's about the word of God. So I'm going to give you three things that you need to... Uh, learn, you need to do to learn about Jesus. Three things you need to learn about Jesus. You need to do to learn about Jesus. So the first one is let the Holy Spirit reveal the word to you. John 6, 45 says that Jesus opened the minds of his disciples so that they could understand scripture. The words in this book need to be revealed. It needs to be brought to life by the Spirit. When you read Scripture, you let God speak into your soul. So if you're just looking at them, you know, the Bible, or in your app, it's just words. It's just words written a long time ago. But when God's Spirit is working on these words, He's bringing it to right here and right now in real time. So as you're reading Scripture, let His Spirit bring the the words to life in your life. And you're going to be in awe because he's going to make it real to you. You're going to feel a joy and an excitement in your spirit when you read these words, when the spirit is making it alive to you. Turn to John 6, 44 to 45. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. 
When you read scripture, the spirit is drawing you to Jesus. He's also, he's drawing you to Jesus in your present circumstance. He's going to guide you into righteousness and truth. If you just turn over to John 16, 13, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. If you listen to the spirit, he reveals truth and he shows you what's going on in the spiritual realm. And the spiritual reality that you can't see with your eyes. In Hebrews 4.12, it says that the word of God is active and alive. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The spirit reveals truth and cuts through the lies of Satan. Satan wants to keep you in bondage. He wants to keep you in bondage to lies that you're worthless, that you should just give up. He wants you in bondage to sin. It's okay to do this. God will forgive you. And then before you know it, your heart is empty and God is so far away. Let the, God, the word of God cut away the lies of the enemy to your soul. Let it cut away the lies that keep you in bondage. As you read scripture and hear it preached or shared by someone, ask God how he wants to speak into your life and what he wants to do in the lives of others. So the first thing in learning about Jesus is to let his spirit make his word alive in your heart and in your present circumstance. The second thing to do when you're learning about Jesus is to, to let it take root in your life by receiving it, receiving it with faith. Uh, we're going to be looking at John 6. In John 6, there was a crowd that was following Jesus because they had seen the miracles that he had been performing and healing a lot of sick people. And, you know, it was amazing. I mean, they thought he was awesome. They, thought, they wanted to see what else he could do. So there was a crowd of about 5,000 people, and they had been following, they were following Jesus. They followed him up to a mountain, and he did another miracle by feeding all of these people, at least 5,000, it was just men, but it was a whole, you know, thousands of people. He fed all these people with just a little boy's lunch. And so they went, after that, he left, and so they went and tried to find him again, and they found him on the other side of the lake, and Jesus said to them, you're really only looking for me because you got free food. He said, don't put your efforts into things that spoil, like food. Spend your energy looking for eternal life that I can give you. And he had, he had you know, started speaking to them about, about what that means, how he can give them eternal life. And they were like, wait, what? We know this guy. We know his mom and dad. We know where he came from. Who does he think he is telling us that he can give us eternal life? So turn to John 6, 63, and let's see what Jesus says. John 6, 63. Says, the spirit gives life. This is what Jesus says. The spirit gives life, and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they're full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of these did not believe and would betray him. Verse 65, he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father enabled them. 
And from that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. These people had seen his miracles. But the thing is that seeing miracles won't change someone's heart. They've heard his words, his words of eternal life, and they still didn't believe. If you've ever prayed or thought, mm, you know, if only my friend or family member could, you know, see a miracle, or if, if only God would answer this prayer that, I, that, you know, we've been praying, then, then they would know, then they would see that God is real. But the thing is, these people seen Jesus, they've heard his words, they've seen the miracles, and they still didn't believe. So miracles in and of themselves won't convince someone about Jesus. And the Bible in and of itself won't convince somebody about Jesus. So what is the key ingredient? Look here on verse uh, 67. Jesus said to the 12 disciples, the ones closest to him, he said, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus' closest disciples heard the word, the same words that the crowd heard, but these words had a different effect on them because they had combined it with their faith. And this faith allowed them to receive that word. Um, Turn to Matthew 13, verse 14, starting at verse 14. Matthew 13, 14. Here Jesus is explaining why he speaks in parables, which are stories with an underlining spiritual message. Matthew 13, 14. Talking about his parables. In them is fulfilled the prophet of the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. Without faith, you won't see and understand scripture. It's going to be words on a page. Verse 15. For this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. In order for you to really hear Jesus, your heart cannot be calloused. If you're hearing the words and seeing the words on a page, but they're not penetrating your soul, there is something wrong. Your heart has to be soft and has to be sensitive to his spirit. If you're listening to a sermon and thinking, yeah, I already knew that, or when you read the Bible and it's getting boring, your heart has become hardened. And and God's word is just bouncing off instead of going in and giving life to your soul. There's a few reasons why your heart could be calloused, and I'm just going to mention two, two big ones here. One is unforgiveness. If you've allowed unforgiveness to harden your heart, you need to repent of it. There's a lot of people that use unforgiveness as a way to protect themselves. Somebody did something to hurt you, and you're like, well, I don't want that person to hurt me again. So then you close your heart to them. But what you're doing is you're hardening your heart not only against that person, but also against God. That hurt and that anger that you feel around towards that person, it will harden yourself. And you'll find yourself, like if you find yourself bringing that, that offense up back over and over again, or you're talking to people about it and you notice that, boy, I've been saying, sharing this around to a lot of people. Yeah, it's because you haven't let it go and it's still in there. 
And what you need is to let the spirit cut it off of you. We talked about the spirit, you know, we just read the spirit of God. Um, his word is like a, a knife and like a um, two-edged sword. You need to ask God to, through his spirit to cut it off of you. And that person and that situation needs to be surrendered to God. It needs to be laid at the cross. And you need to see Jesus' blood covering it. You need to do that as often as necessary. Even little words can be hurtful. Even little words, can, you can carry that, and it builds up, and it builds up. You need to lay it down, and you need to let God protect your heart. You need to trust God to take care of you. Don't let unforgiveness harden your heart. Another thing that causes our hearts to be calloused is sin. When, you start, when we start thinking that we can do this, it's not a problem. We, when we excuse disobedience to God's commandments, when we decide, when we decide what's best for us, and we want to do things our own way, we want to do life our own way, then sin gets a hold of our souls. I love spicy food. I'm on Yelp, and you know I do ratings of different um, restaurants. So my motto on Yelp is, you know it was good when your mouth is still tingling. When I was a teenager, I put so much hot sauce on my food that I couldn't even taste my food, but it was hot, so I really liked it. But did you know that spicy is not a taste? It's actually the sensation of pain. When I was little, I remember I didn't like spicy, and I remember it burning my mouth, I didn't like that. But as I ate more and more spicy food, then it bothered me less and less, and I started enjoying it. And sin can be like that. You know, when you first offend, if you do, when you first do something that offends God, it'll bother you. But the more you do it, the more it won't bother you as much. And then pretty soon, you'll start liking it. And you might even start telling other people that it's okay and telling other people to do it too. When our hearts become callous, we no longer sense the pain that God feels over our behavior and our attitude. The more, the more we do it, the less we feel it. And repentance is not about God giving you a guilt trip. You're not going to be saved by saying sorry. Repentance is about agreeing with God that he's right and being ready to do it his way. You're ready to lay that sin down at the cross of Jesus and let his blood wash it away. Because that's how much your sin has cost him. That's how much pain that sin costs. So regularly examine your heart to see that it's open and receptive to the word of God. Deal with any sin. Deal with any unrepentance on a regular basis and surrender it to Jesus. And it might help if you let someone in on it that can help you make sure that the sin and the un unforgiveness doesn't come back. So that this leads us to the third thing that we can do when we're learning about Jesus is to learn with others. Turn to Hebrews 3.13. Hebrews 3.13. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that 
none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Satan wants to keep you powerless. He knows that if he can keep you locked up in sin and unforgiveness, that you won't be effective in God's mission. He wants to isolate you, make sure that you stay down. And that's why we need to speak into each other's lives. Don't let your brother and sister in the Lord be deceived by sin. Hell is too big a price to pay for minding your own business. If you're doing this faith thing by yourself, you need to get into a home group or start a home group. Make sure that you're with a group of people or a spiritual friend that will help you keep it real. You need to be real with each other. Satan wants you to hide in darkness. He wants that sin to be hidden so that it grows and it takes over your life. But if you expose it and you let people in on that struggle, you don't have to try to look like you have everything going on well. Because if it's not, then you need somebody to help you. And if you expose that sin for what it is, then you gain the upper hand. Last verse. Colossians 3, 16 to 17. Colossians 3, 16 to 17. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So to conclude, as you're joining God in his mission for the world, let God's word fill you. Listen for the voice of Jesus on a regular basis. Listen with faith and a soft heart. Break off the things that keep his word from being fruitful in your life. And learn from him together. Seek to hear the voice of Jesus with each other. So right now, we're going to, I hope you've identified the people that you're going to be sharing with. So I'm going to take a few minutes and learn about Jesus together.